Hey folks, uh, on today's episode, Ryan and I are taking a look at some of our debut performances in soccer history, and we also talk a bit up front about the Bundesliga reopening. Daryl and I may talk uh, as well about some updates from other leagues on tomorrow's show, uh, or we might just focus on continuing our historical tournament that has the super long name that I can't quite remember. Uh, tomorrow, that will feature 1950 to 1954 Honved versus 2017 to 2019 Manchester City, uh, and then 1992 Barcelona hosting the 1977 New York Cosmos. Yeah, I'm going to say that the first one is definitely the hipster's pick, and then the second one, Cruyff's Dream Team versus Pele's Cosmos, probably the one that's going to be on the big screen, would be on broadcast television if and when this tournament gets televised. But before we can do any of that, I did want to ask how working from home has been working for you. Uh, Remarkably Remote would definitely like to know that as well. Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, they will share simple but helpful tips to help keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm your host, Taylor Rockwell. Joining me is a man who just before we started recording said he had an amusing soccer anecdote off the top of his dome. It's Ryan Bailey. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Tate. How are you this fine day ending in a Y? I don't know what they're called anymore. Uh, uh, meaningless time loops, I think, is, is what they call them for now. Until this weekend when the Bundesliga resumes, then we'll have live soccer to watch, albeit behind closed doors, so then time can resume again. It's been frozen since soccer stopped, and now we can unfreeze and, and get back to it a la Demolition Man. Oh, don't say Frozen. I've had to watch those movies so much <laughs> in the past few weeks. I think right there is a, is a good indicator of which one of us has kids, that I reference Demolition Man, you reference Frozen. <laughs> is Demolition Man the Wesley Snipes one? You're damn right it is. Yeah. Oh, I like that one. Uh, it's, the Arnold, it's the Arnold. It's the Sylvester Stallone vehicle, and it's the Wesley, Wesley Snipes picture, I think is what I would go with. Love it. I love it. I can remember watching that one vividly. And I definitely preferred it to Frozen. I mean, um, Simon Phoenix, greatest villain name ever. So how do you feel about the Bundesliga coming back, Tate? Because I'm very, very excited to have soccer back on my screen. I'm mm-hmm. restarting my cable package for that very reason. Um, wow. But uh, is it going to... Th- I remember, you know, watching those Champions League games behind mm-hmm. closed doors before for this, well, when this started to go down. And that feeling of empty cavernous stadium mm-hmm. and feeling like a training game do you think it's, it's not going to feel quite the same I know they're going to do some stuff to try and make it feel a bit less like a training game but do you think it's going to be as wonderful as a spectacle as we're hoping I mean I'm hoping that they do like the FIFA crowd in the background that stands and cheers in arbitrary moments and that's how they go with it um, I, I think the point that you make there is key to me that like we've seen them do this before and the last time we saw them playing behind closed doors was as it seemed like everything was about to shut down as the situation was worsening uh, as it was truly becoming a global pandemic and so my only thought is that maybe because we've had the like opposite side of this where things like we get that one last game 
Like, enjoy it. It's your last soccer for a while. Even though it's behind closed doors, at least you get to watch something. I feel like now maybe this is the ideally, hopefully, maybe, possibly, the return of soccer. And thus, even though it is still behind closed doors, maybe just the vibe is a little bit more positive. Because rather than it be the start of us not having soccer, it is potentially the end of us not having soccer. That's true. There'll be more hope. But also the anxiety that one of those players gets a positive test. Uh, yeah. yeah. So just to bring, just to put a downer on it. But I'll, I'll give you a little uh, uh, something to lift you out of that downer, Tate. The Please. amusing anecdote. I would love So it. my children have been doing Zoom calls with mm-hmm. their teachers to... Uh, to continue their learning journeys i suppose because i've certainly not played any part in that and um <laughs> I, I can hear the song all night long by lana ritchie mm-hmm. as i'm coming up the stairs to where my seven-year-old daughter is doing her lesson all night long as i'm kind of up the stairs like what what on earth is this uh, lesson that she's doing here and i go in the door and just while lana ritchie is playing just on the screen a picture of david beckham's face <laughs> what is going on here i say to child number one uh, and she says, oh, we, uh, get this, we're learning about symmetry. Oh. <laughs> so to learn about symmetry, they have, I don't know why Lionel Richie played a part in this, or whether it's just the teacher liked that song, but David Beckham's face is how we learn about that. Isn't that fun? I mean, I feel like you might have gotten some insight into what the teacher's uh, evening plans were this weekend, if it's <laughs> oh, Lionel Richie and David Beckham. Maybe the glass of wine was left out from the, the, the <laughs> child's lesson. But do, are we thinking that was like, he, like... His, I hesitate to, to use the way we describe this. The way he delivers crosses, are we saying that those are particularly symmetrical, or do we think David Beckham's face is symmetrical? Basically, I didn't want to say, are David Beckham's balls uh, symmetrical? Oh, boy. You, well, you did, though. You did, <laughs> I know. I did. But then I realized uh, that, like I was dancing around a thing that didn't make sense to anybody. And I don't have to yeah. edit that, because I'm actually talking about the delivery of his crosses. Yeah, very good. And you, you're the only one who went there. I didn't. I was thinking more that beautiful people tend to be more symmetrical. I suppose yeah, that, that was sense. the lesson. But I was just—I I just thought the combo of coming upstairs. I'm just about to uh, to record with you. I'm looking at David Beckham's face while Lionel Richie is playing. It just amused me a little bit. That lifted me up on a Monday morning. Are you saying that's that's not how you begin every Monday? Because that is how we begin every Monday at the Rockwell House. Well, we do, but it's not all night long. It's usually, oh, what a feeling. There it is. <laughs> I thought it was It's Coming Home, and you just have the picture of David Beckham, like, next to the picture of the Queen. I assume you have both framed in your kitchen. Well, I have the poster of David Beckham above my bed on the ceiling next to the mirror. <laughs> You've glow-in-the-dark stars around it as well? You know it. Beautiful. Well, we, we mentioned the Bundesliga there very briefly. We do have other leagues thinking about theoretically possibly having conversations about maybe returning. That would be La Liga and the Premier League in early to mid-June. Right now, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens with the Bundesliga as well. Uh, the the Dresden players testing positive has put a little bit of a, a damper on things, which are already fairly damp. Uh, but it does seem as though the league is still going to resume. They're not going to let that uh, uh, dictate things too much. And if it does resume, maybe we will get some debuts. Maybe those debuts will be very, very good. Maybe they will one day feature on the second iteration of this list, which we're doing today, which is the greatest ever player debuts for club or country. Could be either. We're not going so far back because I feel like, for me, talking about like the debut of this Brazilian in 1952, I'm not really going to have that level of uh, information. It's not going to resonate quite that much. So I've gone a bit more recent. Ryan, I think you have as well. But we've got uh, lots of different players from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different yep. qualities as well. Most of them pretty decent, though. Why don't we go ahead, since we've talked Bundesliga a little bit, let's stay in the Bundesliga mm-hmm. uh, with your first one. Because uh, it's a name that people might be able to watch this weekend. 
Well, actually, well, I've got two players from the ah. same club in uh, in yes, recent years. So we should deal these as a double. A Borussia do Dortmund debut double, baby. So mm-hmm. let's start with the first one. Uh, this player started on August 10th, 2013 with Borussia Dortmund. His first game was against Augsburg. His name, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Mm-hmm. So he came from a couple of seasons with Saint-Étienne. Uh, and he moved uh, to Dortmund what for the 2013-14 season, as I say. Uh, in the 24th minute, he uh, scored his first goal with his first touch of the ball, I believe it was. Scored twice more in the second half. Got himself a hat-trick, Taylor. Got himself a hat-trick on the debut. The sixth Bundesliga player to score three on his debut. Uh, he's kind of, I don't know if you, I looked back, back on this on YouTube, he kind of rang rings around his, his marker all day long. Could have scored a lot more, uh, but the Augsburg keeper put in a good shift there. And there's some interesting symmetry with the second player here. This fella called Erling Haaland? I've uh, never heard of him. Never? He plays for Borussia Dortmund as well. Yep. Apparently, he, not only did he also score mm-hmm. um, a hat-trick on his first, uh, first uh, game for Borussia Dortmund, but it was also against Augsburg. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I forgot that part of it, even though I've watched all of these videos. I kind of yeah. didn't put together that it's the same team they're being played against. Indeed, yes. So Haaland, obviously, as we know, this was fairly recent history. Uh, came on against Augsburg as a 56-minute substitute. Uh, scores uh, a hat-trick in 23 minutes in a 5-3 win. Uh, the second player in Dortmund history to score three goals on their Bundesliga debut, the first one being that fellow Mr. Aubameyang we just mentioned. So Dortmund having some good luck with their debuts. Which which one years. do you think is more impressive? Because like Aubameyang's goals are, are solid, and and he has the career he has, where now he goes to Arsenal and has success there to some degree. Uh, Aubameyang, or excuse me, uh, Holland, his goals like are much more routine they're sort of exactly what you expect him to do not to take anything away from them it's just that like i think his first touch is his first goal but it's a one touch finish it's a good through ball mm-hmm. through the second is a like squared ball that that it's a tap in but it's a good combination team play and the third one is he's kind of played in behind holds out a defender finish as well none of them are spectacular but i would say adding them all together and sort of that being his debut as a january signing when we know january can be difficult i think it put it ahead a little bit for me but that might be recency bias and the because I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to be a club legend and future Ballon d'Or winner. Uh, yeah. But that's my influence. Ryan, where were you on this one? I fear recency bias too, but I have to say it does feel that like Haaland was, was more impressive because he came on like basically on the hour mark and got that hat-trick. That's very impressive in itself. And we, where, whereas the goals might not have been as technically superb as Aubameyang's, He's the new Raumdeuter, isn't he? He's the guy who finds the space. He's doing technically what he should be doing. Yep. So I, I think that's very impressive. And also you have to add on to the fact that he scored like a billion more goals in the next three or four games he played as well. He kept the streak going. Yeah, he um, had like, what, like 13 goals in four touches somehow? Yeah, and in the, he's had a ridiculous record in the Champions League in this season as well. Remember the Champions League? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's got that song. It's got that song. <laughs> I'll also add, I think I, I elevate Holland a little bit because if you watch the like kind of abbreviated highlights of him making this debut, he, he subs on, obviously scores very quickly, but as he's subbing on, he's basically holding up the fingers to show you the formation change, which, number one, I really appreciate because there's no subtlety there. But number two, it's also very indicative of the way this season is going to go. It's like, okay, I'm here now. We're changing the entire shape, and it's going to work way better. Like that. There's definitely yeah, that yeah. vibe of like, oh, now things are fluid, and they go from 3-2 down to winning 5-3. Uh, not bad. Not a bad debut. So, not a bad result. So that was a great debut, uh, Tay-Tay. Question yes, for you. Uh, this, this debut happened in January 2020. Mm-hmm. So in January 2021, when he makes his Newcastle United debut, how many <laughs> goals is he going to score then, do you think? It's funny because for a moment I thought that was such an absurd 
I was like, what's happened to his career? Why is he going to Newcastle? <laughs> then I remembered everything that's happened uh, since we last had that conversation. Yeah, he's going to look great in those stripes. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with a fly Saudi, Saudi Airlines on the front, I'm, sh- I'm assuming is the way that jersey's going to go. Yeah, come and uh, contribute to our economy, airlines. Yes. Yeah, I think, he'll get a, I think he'll get a double. I think he'll get a brace in that first game. That feels okay. likely. Supplied by Aiden Hazard, Paul Pogba? I'm not <laughs> sure who it will be. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, but until we find out, I wanted to give it my first debut. I'm going way into the way back machine, all the way back to 1994. The, the, old, the olden days, Ryan, when I was not but a 10-year-old. Uh, oh, having just turned 10, I was not watching as France were losing 2-0 to the Czech Republic. Uh, but it would have been cool if I were because I would have gotten to see the debut of a 22-year-old Zinedine Zidane. Uh, comes on as a second-half substitute with France uh, losing to Czech Republic. They had been very defensive. They need a, a bit of a spark. On comes Zinedine Zidane, scores a great first goal, and then, like in, in typical Zidane fashion, scores a towering header, does not celebrate the first goal, just gets the ball, runs back, sets it down, let's get this thing underway. Does celebrate the second one, scores a big header, but if you watch this, I, I think I am correct in saying that he's the only person who is jumping for this one. <laughs> and I like to think rather than just it being good timing and him having good awareness and good vision, there's an element of like, come on, this is Zidane. Like, let's let him score. Let's build the narrative now. We may as well just let him get the brace. We know he's going to be an incredible player. And it does also then kind of feed the narrative of Zidane only does big things at the start and finish. Like, he's going to start off by scoring a brace and being this like creative force that changes the way France play. And he's going to end by heading somebody in the chest. That feels good. That feels appropriate. Now, the, the, this is great, Taylor, and we don't have very much international soccer on this list, so I appreciate you bringing this one to the table. But one thing stands out a mile to me here. This game was in 1994. Mm-hmm. Zidane was 22 yep. when he made his France debut. Zidane didn't play for France before he was 22 years old. Odd, right? Crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's because of like like stylistic issues or coaching issues or if maybe just we have shifted younger as time has gone on. And so nowadays an 18-year-old is old and in the way. And you got to get that 15-year-old in there to see what's happening. Oh, but was it Cantona keeping him out of the team until it was. then maybe? Yeah, okay. that, that, that's a part of it. I think I read that it was like Cantona was basically told, like, go be creative because everybody else is playing defensive. And then Zidane comes in and maybe, maybe it just took two players to be creative and attacking. That was the big difference for France. But Zidane coming on and and scoring a brace, again, it it seems like it set the tone for what was to come, given that four years later he's uh, helping win the World Cup. So a not not bad debut from Zinedine Zidane. We've got many, many more debuts to get to. But before we get to that, we should talk about today's sponsor, Podium Wear. Podium Wear is a custom team apparel manufacturer in Minnesota that is turning the world of soccer, of team soccer kit ordering, excuse me, soccer kit ordering, on its head. They provide custom design in a full line of soccer apparel, all made to order in their St. Paul factory. Yes, indeed. In normal times, we talk about how great this process is. I said process instead of process. And how your experience ordering for you or your kids' club teams will be made Mm. infinitely easier by them. But these aren't normal times, Taylor. They're not. We've got Ryan saying processes, processes uh, differently than <laughs> he normally would. Because of the COVID-19 crisis, that's not why Ryan is saying that. It's why Podiumware have uh, pivoted a little bit. Podiumware has started making face masks for you to wear while you're out and about on the sidelines of a soccer match. That seems unlikely uh, during your workouts. Maybe while you're working out in preparation for a soccer match, if, say, you're a Bundesliga player, uh, you could buy one for yourself or you could customize it for your team. 
I like the sound of that. Those customized masks. You're seeing a lot more of those, a lot more sporting mm-hmm. team masks when you're out and about. I, I'm a big fan of that. And Podium Wear, by the way, Tate, as you mentioned, they're family owned. They're very friendly, super duper easy to work with. And they're out of St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Uh, and their facilities are all based in the U.S. So by supporting them, you're supporting American American? American. What accent was that? Uh, It's it's, uh, America as made by meerkats, I think. That's how it works. Uh, Go to (laughs) PodiumWear.com, get your custom mask today, bookmark them for when you're ready for your next soccer kit order. That's PodiumWear.com. Check them out today. Thank you very much to PodiumWear for sponsoring this episode. Thank you very much to PodiumWear for being from St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm going to believe that that has subconsciously fueled my desire to rewatch the Fargo uh, TV series, which I have been doing. It's great. If you haven't seen it, uh, it is wonderful and very Coen Brothers, even though it is not a Coen Brothers uh, picture. I've not actually seen the TV series, but uh, I've heard very good things. My one thing about Minnesota and that particular area, is that where the giant, giant mall is? Yes, Mall of America. Yeah, I really want to go to that thing. I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they skate through it in in the Mighty Ducks original movie, so I'm assuming that that's where it is. I would hope so. They did. Oh, Oh, yeah, when they were rollerblading. Oh, yeah. And you know the thing about those? Those ducks, uh, they fly together. They <laughs> they do indeed. Yeah. I also want to clarify, I don't know why I called a TV series a picture. The movie Fargo, done by the Coen brothers. The TV series not, but very, very much inspired by, but it is <laughs> terrific. And Martin Freeman can do a convincing Minnesota accent. I did not see that coming. Oh, I didn't know he was an accent guy. That's good. That's he, good he's know. not bad. Uh, we're not going to talk about accent guys anymore. We're going to talk about <laughs> debuts. Let's get back to debutantes. Ryan, where shall we head next? Let's go to your team, to the Theatre of Dreams, Manchester United. Mm -hmm. Mr. Wayne Rooney, who made his debut for Manchester United on September 28th, 2004. He came over from Everton, just a few miles down the, I want to say M62 is the road that connects those two towns. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, 18-year-old was Wayne when he when he started and you remember this was a big deal this was made a very big deal I remember it specifically in the UK because it was a Champions League game it was against Fenerbahce uh, and he got a hat-trick and an assist in a 6-2 victory over Fenerbahce he became the youngest ever scorer of a Champions League hat-trick and he sort of I think this was a really really important deal because um, this is it was 26 million pounds that he cost Wayne Rooney and back then in the quaint days of 2004 that was an awful lot of money mm-hmm. for an 18 year old and I imagine that Sir Alex Ferguson had kind of put his neck on the line to bring Rooney in at this point who was as we say very young and kind of proven because he'd shown what he could do but still this was a big risk for Manchester United to take for bringing him in so that really vindicated the decision so I imagine uh, Sir Alex's blood pressure was lowered somewhat by that performance in the Champions League. Daryl and I, mostly me, and then Daryl is occasionally obliged to go along with me, have that conversation sometimes about like which players would have been Sir Alex Ferguson signings if he were still around. Like We, we have that conversation about Jamie Vardy a lot, how it feels like oh. Jamie Vardy would have been a Man United signing that would have been their like third-choice striker. But, you, like, but it's because of players like Wayne Rooney, who I think Sir Alex Ferguson very early on recognizes, like, this is a player that Everton are not going to want to let go, but he is a like generational talent. We're going to make this happen no matter what. Yeah. And, and maybe they roll the dice a little bit. They've got to splash that money, as you mentioned. It is for like a relatively unproven player, albeit one with a lot of promise. And then he comes in and scores a hat-trick in the Champions League. Like, that really is like a good way to show that this was the right move. And in terms of debuts, we do have another hat-trick, at least one on this list. But I think this one might be my favorite. Uh, that's probably my Man United bias up there. But I feel like all three goals are particularly excellent. 
Go on. What you got? I mean, I think it's it's just it's that they're like they are very clinical finishes. They're from yeah. distance, and then the free kick that I think is the third one uh, is just it, it, like you kind of know it's going in. There are other set piece specialists in that team who probably could have taken it, but I think there is that feeling of like you've got a brace. You seem like you're going to hit this one and hit it. He does, but the way he hits them from distance, he's this kind of dynamic force coming in who can score from distance, but from tight angles and put it exactly where he wants to put it. If you're Alex Ferguson, if you're that Man United board, that had to feel like instant gratification of yes, this was the right decision at the right time. Yeah, I think so, and I think that that information is important when we're judging how good a debut was, but also how well their career went with that particular team True. or went mm-hmm. from thereafter, because it gives you good context. And I think it's safe to say that Wayne Rooney did himself fairly proud at Manchester United and has had a very good career since he was 18 years old and even before he was 18 yeah. years old. But um, I think when we look at a lot of the names that we've had on this list, and even the, the two we discussed already, or well, Haaland's at a very early stage, but it, it, it if, if these were players who we hadn't heard of after those debuts, I don't mm. think they would have quite the impact uh, as they did. Yeah, and that was, a, that was kind of a thing I, I considered when, when adding some of these names to my list was like, was it, like I initially had Federico Makeda for Manchester United when he comes in and scores the all-important goal against mm. Aston Villa that you could argue helps win them the title or wins them the title. But then from there, like he doesn't really catch on. There was some thinking in the moment of like, oh, he's going to be that next big forward. He's going to be that kind of breakthrough player. And that doesn't really happen. So though it's an important debut, it doesn't maybe have that lasting significance like uh, Wayne Rooney or uh, uh, Erling Holland, which, which does beg the question for me at least. I'm wondering if you had this too, Ryan. Did you find yourself watching any of these and wondering, like, could it have been totally different? Like, Holland comes on and scores with that first touch. Rooney scores this clinical finish that really, I think, gives him that motivation to then keep mm-hmm. scoring goals in that game and beyond. Like, if Holland hits that one straight at the keeper. If Wayne Rooney puts that ball off the post and wide, like, do you think these gentlemen, I know this is kind of a strange question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, are they, <laughs> are they good enough? Like, are they just that good that it wouldn't have mattered? They still would have scored a couple games later. Or does, like, that first finish, hitting that first goal with your first touch if you're a Holland, does it, like, push you to this other level that maybe if he misses that one but then still scores a brace? Is it not quite that same? Or do you think no matter what, they're going to be world-class players, the debut doesn't matter as much? Oh, that's a really tricky question because mm-hmm. it's quite intangible. And you could yeah, ask the strikers true. who didn't have good debuts and how they you know, had to get out of scoring ruts before they got going and finally they, they did get going. We know how big confidence is in this game. Yeah. It's such a huge factor. So it's hard to say, but I mean, I'd also suggest that at, eight, at 18... If you're Wayne Rooney, for example, or you're a teenager mm-hmm. like Erling Haaland, does confident? Do you feel less? Do you feel a bit more bulletproof about that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I you probably do. I guess if you, if you've got that that little bit more confidence, that little bit more swagger, I guess it yeah. probably helps. I just like I go back to stuff like um like two three seasons ago, I think in the MLS, uh, Daryl and I were at the uh, home opener for DC United, still playing at RFK at that point. Marcelo Sarvas steps up, gets a penalty. Misses it. I think United lose that game 1-0. DC United lose that game 1-0. That's their season opener. It becomes a pretty disastrous season. And I remember in that moment thinking, like, that was his debut. He misses a penalty. If he scores that, like, is it a completely different season? Is it like they won 1-0, they've got this guy to come in, and he's a role player, and he's this veteran, and he scored the penalty, and instead he misses it, and it felt like a very sliding doors moment to me. So I think that's where I get hung up on some of this stuff of maybe no matter what, you're going to be excellent, but maybe there are those certain moments of like, oh, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season, though I'm sure the players wouldn't accept that. Maybe that's a, a retroactive thing. Well, setting the tone is very important, but if True. I may pivot to my next choice, Please Tate, do. Tate, it's a very good debut, 
that had a very bizarre season uh, that Ooh. followed it. We're gonna, I'm going to take you back right now to my favourite Premier League season of all time, 1996-97. Ooh. Uh, this is my favourite because my team, Wimbledon, were very good that season. We got to the semi-finals of both cup competitions. We finished, I think it was 8th or 7th. Uh, and it was just peak Ryan's childhood watching soccer. Oh, <laughs> uh, the memories, Tate. Oh, uh, the memories. But this was a, sort of a real... This is when the Premier League was evolving and sort of foreign players were just coming in and clubs were experimenting with spending money and clubs were just being able to start competing with uh, Italian and Spanish clubs uh, to be- bring in big players, which once again seems like a quaint concept in 2020, but that's how it was in sort of 96, 97. And Middlesbrough were a hmm. team who brought in some megastars. Now... I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to the northeast, if you've ever been to Middlesbrough, Taylor, but it's I've not like—it's not like downtown Monte Carlo. It's not like um, <laughs> these players are going to come in and it's—it's uh, it's a life of glamour uh, and excess up in up in the industrial northeast of Middlesbrough. But nevertheless, they brought in this season in ninety six, ninety seven. They had Emerson, Brazilian, come in. A Janidio come in as well, who was an incredible little player. Uh, elsewhere in the team, they had uh, Janaga Fjortoft, who uh, ha- had successes elsewhere, of course, as well, and went uh, down with Swindon, who's the worst team in Premier League history. That's another story. Uh, but perhaps <laughs> their most important player wasn't Robbie Musto, who was also in this team, incidentally, but Fabrizio Ravanelli. Uh-huh. Uh, he had his first game, uh, which was the opening day of the 96-97 season. It was a big one. It was against Liverpool, who were leading the season for much of that season, if my memory serves me correct. And they certainly came out swinging. But um, that's a pretty difficult task for Ravenelli to come in, you know, coming off of being pretty successful with uh, with the Juventus and whatnot. Uh, he, he was an elder gentleman in his career at this point. Is, is his nickname the Silver Feather? Is that how they translate? If not, it should be. Or the Fox, because he could be that too. <laughs> I think it translates to something like the silver feather in, from Italian. Hmm. But he, he, you know, he's, he's a grey-haired man at this point, which he, he went great young. That's the, the, besides the point. But made the best possible impression in Middlesbrough with a hat-trick in a 3-3 draw. And this is a brilliant game. This was first up on match of the day, as we'd say in the UK. Um, you know, a really, really good game this was. Uh, and he, he sort of revolutionised the game a little bit in that he had this celebration of pulling his shirt over his face and running. Like that celebration was his. He kind of he kind of started that, I think, if my memory serves me correct. And it got me thinking how dumb that celebration is. So yep. Pulling a shirt over your face so you cannot see. It's dumb, but it's great. And everyone emulated it thereafter. So he brought that to the Premier League and he, he had a very, very good debut. And that season, Taylor, Fabrizio Ravinelli scored 16 goals. Middlesbrough went to both cup finals. My team Wimbledon went to both semi-finals. They went one better, both cup finals. But Borough lost both of those cup finals, Taylor. Ah. And they were relegated in ah. 19th place. So despite the riches they spent, they had Ravenelli, they had Janino, Emerson, all these fantastic players. They had Brian Robson as player manager. That's no mean feat as well. And they get relegated and they lose both cup finals. Is there a, is there a more underwhelming finish to that season that Middlesbrough could have hoped for, frankly? Incredible. It, it's, really, it's really rough. You're absolutely right. Because like, sometimes we get those teams, like I think Wigan were one, where it's like they win the FA Cup, but they go down. Birmingham mm-hmm. win the League Cup, and they go down. But there you're winning a cup. Even if it sort of is like, ah, well, we won, but we're still relegated. At least there's that moment of like, well, we got silverware. We're justified somewhere. To lose both cup finals... 
and get relegated, the only thing I can think of as more depressing is the season that Sunderland had in season two of Sunderland Till I Die, <laughs> which is like lose the cup final and then fa- miss out on promotion. Spoiler alert for Sunderland Till I Die. But you've had your time. You've been in quarantine. You should, you should have watched it by now. But yeah, yeah. that's... That's a big old bummer. I am still hung up on the silver feather, though. That that is where most of my thinking remains right now. Well, in the in the nickname itself, it's it's just it is a more intimidating nickname than I thought about. Because at first, it's like the silver feather. Is it like because he has silver hair? But then, like really, I feel like a lot of times, like like the enforcer name, the the scary dictator name. It's like it's got to be slightly soft because you're like, ooh, like there's no way you get that nickname. Uh, like unless you have have done some things, and I feel like the silver feather, like he's he'll kill he'll kill you quick. Like I, I don't know I don't know what it is, but I guess he doesn't. He kills Middlesbrough slowly over the course of a season. I, I have just looked it up, Taylor. It was the white feather. I was very oh, close. That's still. less that's less exciting, but I'll still it's, allow it. It's still quite sexy. Yeah, I like why it. Still. Not? Um, <laughs> since you started this one with a Man United player, uh, this section I'm going to bookend it with a Man United player. Mm. Uh, I, it is not Makeda, I promise. It is instead Marcus Rashford. Um, a player who really did just burst onto the scene in 2015, uh, largely because he had to. This is when Louis van Gaal is still in charge. Uh, it is a threadbare squad that has been forced to play the way Louis van Gaal wants, which means do exactly what he says and do not deviate from it. Wayne Rooney, take two touches in the box, never shoot first time, that's not allowed. Uh, but it's an injury-plagued <laughs> Man United team heading into their Europa League knockout round. Second leg, worth remembering, they had lost the first leg to the mighty FC Michelin of Denmark. They're down 2-1. Uh, to add insult to injury, Anthony Martial gets injured in the warm-ups, so in comes this teenager, Marcus Rashford. It feels like the stage could be set for this legendary moment. It could just be another sign of how wrong things have Whoa. gone for Manchester United. That's a movie set up there, Taylor. That's it really, really up. is. And he comes on player. and gets that brace. That is the that is the culmination of the movie, my friend. That is uh that is a good way to end like <laughs> I guess the, the first episode of the Marcus Rashford story. Gets the brace in the Europa League, Manchester United win convincingly. It ends up being five one. But that this teenager, who wasn't even supposed to be there, uh, a la Clerks, uh, comes in, gets the brace, and then, to, uh, to follow it up, Martial's still injured, so he has to uh, make his Premier League debut uh, the next week against Arsenal. He scores mm. a brace in that one, as Manchester United win, I believe, 3-2. Uh, Might have been 3-1, I think it was 3-2. But either way, a double brace, uh, the first one for your actual debut, your second one for your Premier League debut... Uh, not a bad way to, to kick off uh, your career. And even though both of the goals are, are fairly, at least the first one is sort of like squared to him. He finishes it emphatically. Still a finish, still a goal. But you got to be in the right position. But it's just that a youngster coming in and having that impact. At the time, I remember things being very, very bleak. And it felt like, oh, well, well maybe we just got very, very lucky. Maybe this is a lightning in a bottle sort of situation. And yeah. I guess it kind of is because he's still around and still doing things for Manchester United, albeit with a broken back. <laughs> Oh, boy, sorry. I shouldn't have laughed out loud when you just said that. (laughs) I kind of forgot uh, that was the case until just now. The league and European debut double. That is an excellent debut for Marcus Rashford. I very much admire that. I was about to poo-poo on it because I thought... This was a period uh, that's probably not looked, to looked back fondly nah. by Manchester United fans, the Louis van Gaal, Schudel, Mashakujam era. Um, <laughs> and this was an opponent in Europe, FC Michelin, uh, not exactly a titan of the oh, no? competition, you I would think? argue. I'd make the argument, <laughs> no, Taylor. I'd definitely make the argument. not. Uh, this is a very simple win for Manchester mm. United. Probably wasn't the most challenging opposition he's ever faced. But but then to back that up, uh, with showing the confidence to turn up against mm-hmm. Arsenal and do and get a three-two victory. Obviously, a, a pretty clutch appearance in that game. Uh, and to do it at that age, I'm very impressed with Marcus Rashford. There, he's done yeah. well done. 
and I think and I think the other reason why it stands out to me as a fan of Manchester United is because the season before, or two seasons before, is when Adnan Yanazai came onto the scene, and it seemed like oh, David Moyes has found this kind of gem that he's going to build the team around. This mm. guy is going to be the kind of truth. He's the new Ronaldo. David Moyes flames out spectacularly. So too does Adnan Yanazai to some extent. Still around, but not to the level that we thought. And so there was some trepidation in my mind when Rashford has this debut of like, okay, let's calm down. Like you got very excited talking to myself. You got very excited about Gabriel Oberton. That was stupid. You were intrigued by Bebe. That very stupid. Uh, And then you fell into like Yanazai hype. I still remember his song. That was maybe a bit (laughs) foolish as well. Don't be foolish this time. And I held off a little bit. But now I'm all in on Marcus Rashford, even if sometimes I still find him maddening. So the double debut times two makes me happy. Now you've got to do the Yanazai song. I don't remember it. Uh, I want to tell you, I might as well do about a man who can do everything. He comes from, any, anything. He comes from Belgium. His name is Adnan Yanazai, Yanazai, Yanazai. I think is how it goes. I, I did didn't not say sing speak it, it to me. I said sing it to me, Taylor. Uh, it's mostly because my dog is a, is a Belgian shepherd. So oh. I just made it into, I want to tell you, I might as well do about a pup who can do anything. Uh, she comes from Belgium. Her name is Piper. Piperoo, Piperoo, Piperoo. That's the Piperoo song. Her nickname is Piperoo. That was the name she was given when we got her because she is a pretentious dog with pretentious names. What a wonderful insight into your home life, Taylor. There Thank you go, you my friend. That. Oh, they all—they both have. The little dog is named <laughs> Dr. Ellie Sadler-Rockwell after the female scientist from Jurassic Park because I wanted her to have a strong female role model. Not a joke. That's her real name. <laughs> doctor. She prefers to be called Dr. Ellie, but she'll take Ellie. If, if, so when if you're you in the to. park, is it Doc? Uh, it's Ellie or the belly, whichever you prefer. <laughs> Too much insight into my dogs. Let's move quickly I on. the belly. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Uh, let's move to today's sponsor. If you are feeling, maybe you've been inside for so long that you're feeling anxious about your belly. Maybe you've got that anxiety. Uh, well, today's sponsor, Sunday Scaries, is here to help you feel a little bit better. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super, bo- super consumable or supable, I believe is what I was trying to make that. Easy to take on the go. The specially formulated CBD products with vitamins. Vitamins can help in all sorts of ways. They help you calm down, decompress, relax, keep your composure. I'm sensing a theme here, Ryan. I'm sensing a theme. I'm sensing a, a wonderful portmanteau of Superbowl, which I will now use for super consumable. <laughs> Thank you for passing that one on to me. But uh, the, cop- the copy that uh, Sunday Scaries have provided us here, Tay-Tay, says especially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help you in ways including chilling out, Maxing, relaxing, uh-huh. cooling, yep. shooting bebo, uh-huh. boy yep. bebo outside of the school. And if there's a couple of guys in your neighborhood who are up to no good and they start making trouble, then you'll be fine with Sunday Scaries is yeah. basically what the copy is here saying to me. That's a joke for people who can see the copy, which it starts with chilling out and relaxing. I, I mean, it. I mean, I would say, though, that like if a couple of, of guys who are up to no good start to make trouble, give them some CBD gummies. Maybe mm. they'll calm down. They'll get a bit more relaxed. Suddenly everything's fine and you don't get spun around somebody's head in the opening credits. And I think if you can avoid that, then you really do have uh, Sunday Scaries to thank because the CBD will calm you down. It helps lower that anxiety. I have found I have a steady stream of just operational anxiety that no matter what I'm doing for the last couple weeks, it just still feels like, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? Should I be doing something else? Is this okay? Even when I have like knocked out everything. I am still sort of like, "Ah, I got a little bit of anxiety, but the CBD can help you kind of bring that down, bring it under control. Uh, And if you would like to try that and get 25% off your first order, uh, you can use the code soccer at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code soccer where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Mm, I'm absolutely going to do that, Taylor, because I really want to get involved with this. I've never actually tried any CBD products before, but I feel like if there's a time that it is appropriate for, 
It is now. Is yes, it not? I think it is. So one yeah. more time, found, find out what product might be best for you. Go to sundayscaries.com, use code SOCCER uh, to get 25% off your first order. Thank you very much to Sunday Scaries for sponsoring this episode. Ryan, let's talk debuts once again. No more singing, no more dog talk, for now at least. <laughs> Where shall we head next on your favorite debuts? Well, before we get there, I just got to say the Fresh Prince. When I used to watch that, I always used to think, did he get a cab all the way from Philadelphia to Los Angeles? I think there's a deleted part where he's in an airplane, but I like to think that he's in a cab the whole way. <laughs> there's like 26 more verses while he's in the air. I mean, he does acknowledge that the yes, there's at least two more verses in there. If you watch the extended one, which was always the treat when it came on, sometimes they use the extended one. I'm assuming that was when the episode was like 21 and a half minutes as opposed to 22 and a half, so they needed an extra one, and then you'd get the full theme song. But yeah. I think there's one more about him arguing with his mom, I think, and there's one more about being uh, at the airport, I believe. Wonderful. Well, let's yeah. move on to the Fresh Prince <laughs> of the Etihad, shall we, Tay-Tay? If um, we must, if we must. We shall. Uh, well, let, next day, mm. I wanted to discuss, uh, went down on August 15th, 2011, Mr. Mm. Sergio Aguero against Swansea. It's a solid pick. It's a solid pick. It's a pick. solid pick. It's it one really of is. the better debuts in English soccer history. Mm-hmm. He came on late, uh, near the hour mark, 59th minute, a bit like Erling Haaland on his debut. He needed nine minutes to get that first goal. He then assisted David Silva for another. He scored again in injury time with what I would call a Bobby Dazzler, a 30-yard <laughs> stunner. Uh, yeah. He, he was only on the pitch for, as I say, like, half an hour basically but there were newspapers at the time that referred to this as the greatest debut in English soccer very good game and the 2011-12 season pretty good for Sergio Aguero at Manchester City too so I, I think this is a very high ranking debut appearance for me it is also another one where it's great in the moment, and then in retrospect, knowing how things went it's and how things have gone, it's even better because, as you mentioned, that, that second goal is a great strike, and it just showcases like why you want a player like Sergio Aguero who can score these beautifully precise long-distance goals. But then the first one, it shows you kind of how he fits into what Man City are going to do uh, when Pep takes over, that he's not there then, but when he does take over, Aguero is this perfect sort of like show up in the box at the right moment, find space, operate positionally, move the ball quickly, and then be there for the tap-it at the end. Even though it doesn't look that impressive, you probably help facilitate some of that move, and obviously scoring uh, solidifies your involvement. So I felt like both goals were very like uh, perfect encapsulations of Aguero, but then the idea that he scores against Swansea, then wins the title for the first time against Cardiff, I think he just enjoys playing Welsh teams. (laughs) <laughs> he does. He's uh, very popular in Wales, is Sergio Aguero. <laughs> and he's been rather good for Manchester City, yeah. I-, I think you'll agree. By the way, I probably should explain the phrase Bobby Dazzler for the uh, 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 non-Anglophile uh, listeners out there. A Bobby is a policeman, mm-hmm. a Dazzler. Uh, so it's uh, something that very... I don't know where this phrase comes from, but it's like if you do a shot or something really incredible that would really impress a policeman. <laughs> it, I think it, it was actually Robert De Niro's original stage, stage name. He was going to be Bobby <sighs> Dazzler, and then he was like, he doesn't have the gravity I need to be uh, uh, Don Corleone. So then he became Robert De Niro. If he, if he did become a, a boxer, Raging Bull style, it would be Bobby Dazzler De Niro, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
I wish it were. I wish it were. Let me think. Okay, then <laughs> since you've brought up Bobby Dazzlers, I will continue it by talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic's oh. debut uh, for the LA Galaxy versus LAFC. I think Zlatan may feature elsewhere on this list, but this one uh, featured for me because he does score a Bobby Dazzler. Uh, in 2018, he subs on with the Galaxy down 3-1. to one. They had been down 3-0. Comes on to the 71st minute. I think it uh, takes him about nine minutes or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, to score... A decent goal. It's a volley. <laughs> it is from about 40 yards out. It is exactly what I think the Galaxy were hoping would happen, what Major League Soccer was certainly hoping would happen with get with Zlatan playing in the league of just these highlight reel goals that you know are going to be shown around the world because it's that good. It's that precise. It is that Zlatan. But then that he's able to score the winner off of a very powerful kind of, not root one header, but it's a very muscular header is how I'll put that one. So mm. like the technique of the first, but then able to kind of slog it with the physicality uh, for the winner. I think he He's involved in the third goal as well, the equalizer. So a brace, some involvement, but a sort of complete dominating performance in only about 20 minutes on the pitch is uh, not the worst way to start your career for the Galaxy in Major League Soccer. So we can call this the greatest MLS debut of all time, right? I think so. I think so. I'm sure yeah. some people will take issue with that one, but certainly better I mean, than Marcelo Sarvas, as I mentioned, for DC United. For the way, you know, it, it was obviously all over ESPN and, you know, uh, yeah. a 4-3 win in a derby and an amazing goal. And as you say, a combination of a, a technical goal and, a, and, and physicality on display for another one. And also, yeah, that's a good you know, point, man. You're right. He, he, he Zlatan'd very hard afterwards. He did. I heard the crowd saying, we want Zlatan, we want Zlatan. So I gave them Zlatan. Oh, yeah. oh man. He, him and his PR people have uh, did some amazing work around that time, Taylor. Yeah, he, I will say, they really – he has done well in the marketing department, that is for sure. <laughs> I don't love a lot of the Zlatan these days with the third person, even more so and continuing to insist he's the best in the world. But – uh, yeah, decent marketing and a decent goal scorer overall, for sure. I remember when he, when he joined the Galaxy, I think he went on like Jimmy Kimmel or something. Uh-huh. And it was Kimmel going, so I've been given these prepared remarks to tee you up for hilarious phrases. Here's the first one. <laughs> Let me just give you answer to a hilarious phrase. And it was, just, it was just that. It was just batting him out of the park for like seven minutes or whatever it was on Jimmy Kimmel. I remember that being... It felt like, oh, yeah, you've, you've certainly worked on this little uh, routine. But anyway, Taylor, I will say that I, I'm going to make a... A bold statement here about Zlatan. I think he's the king of debuts. All right, let's talk it out. So, I think at every club bar one, he's had... Oh, I think every club. Almost every club bar one notable one, he's had an incredible debut game. Uh, for Ajax, he scored twice in a 2-1 victory over Lyon on his Champions League debut in September 2002. Uh, he scored on his Serie A debut for Inter against right. Fiorentina. I'm sensing a pattern. In his first Barcelona game, didn't score, but he assisted Leo Messi. And if we're going to frame that in the context of his Barcelona career, yeah, I think that's okay. It definitely is. It's a decent <laughs> performance, given all things. Yeah, uh-huh. Paris Saint-Germain. He scores twice in the second half of, 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 of his first game for PSG. and They were 2-0 down in that game and got them to a 2-2 draw with Lorient uh, in the opening game of the 2012-13 Ligue 1 season. Manchester United. Uh, he, I, I think we're going to call this. It's not quite the league in European derby double that um, that, that Marcus Rashford pulled off, but the mm. Community Shield and opening league game double. Community scored... Shield, the most important trophy. Let's be <laughs> of clear. Course. The 2016 Community Shield, which, if I'm not mistaken, would have been his first 
game in a shirt. Was that right, or did he play some friendlies before that? I'm not I mean, sure. it would have been the first official, so that's the one that yeah. matters, yeah. If, if we call it official, yes, indeed. I guess so that's a good he, point, I guess. <laughs> he wanted yeah. some somewhere it counts. That was a 2-1 win for Manchester United. He got a, a, a header rising like a salmon above yeah. Wes Morgan to head like past Casper Schmeichel. <laughs> and then his Premier League debut came one week later. He scored a long ranger, a nice goal, and a 3-1 away win at Bournemouth on the opening day. And then, as you mentioned, he, uh, in the El Trafico, did Zlatan things. The only exception I can find to the Zlatan pattern of debut awesomeness is his Milan debut, where he missed a penalty in a 2-0 loss to uh, Cesena in his first game. Apart from that, that's a pretty spotless record of coming out swinging for Mr. Ibrahimovic, is it? Yeah, I can't, I can't fault him for Milan. There were some things going on at that time period. So, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe maybe a little bit of leeway there. But I, I do sort of want, like, scientists of the future. Like, I need Futurama Tech to be real for a moment because I need his brain to be preserved or his head, his talking head to be preserved until scientists can study it because there is something to his brain that it really it's just a different level it's operating at a different wavelength or something like that not just mm-hmm. because he scores all these debut goals but like i believe i'm correct in saying that zlatan i think won like league titles like 8 years in a row or something ridiculous like that or like every season he changed clubs he won the league in his first year and yeah. just kind of kept that streak going that's right but always remained this incredibly efficient predatory striker yes he has some misses here and there and you can talk about his time with sweden but again it is sweden it's not as though he failed to make an impact for germany or something like that uh but like just how effective he has been from start to finish and how he has always been able to back up that ego to some extent like maybe it is just the ego necessitates the talent and not vice versa but I i find him incredibly interesting even if i find him infuriating at the same time definitely and i will say yeah a very impressive character in the game tt but of all the players we've talked about thus far maybe the one i'd least want to go for a beer with yeah yeah, it's a recurring theme for me that the people that I find most interesting in soccer, I also simultaneously <laughs> recognize I don't want to meet. Johan Cruyff is number one on that list. Obviously, I can't oh, meet him yeah. anymore, but I think I said that to Daryl when I was reading more about him, that he is this fascinating person who I find so compelling and interesting. He is my favorite player, and yet I would never, ever want to meet him because I'm sure I would detest him instantly. Yeah. Actually, I'll add to my list uh, Zidane there because when I did interview him once, it was the most oh. terrifying experience of my life. <laughs> I always go back to Paul F. Tompkins' joke about meeting Daniel Day-Lewis. And it's like, um, and they tell you he's a little intense. And he's not really. He's not. He's really the most intense person you've ever met in your life. And that is, that is how I imagine Zidane being, of just this, like, caged tiger of a human that you now have to ask questions to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I, would, if I would want that. So instead, I want to talk about some happier people. Let's talk about Ronaldinho for a moment, if you'll, if you'll indulge me. Ronaldinho, who I, I genuinely don't know if he is still in prison in Paraguay right now. I hope he has been released. Uh, but uh, Prior to that, well prior to that, he was making his debut for Brazil in 1999 in the Copa America. It is in a, I believe, 7-1 win over Venezuela. So it's not as though it was this pivotal performance. But if you go back and watch it, it is definitive Ronaldinho in that he basically lifts the ball over a defender with his, I think, second touch, scores with his fourth. But lifts it over the defender, then gets on the end of it to settle it, and then knocks it home. But he's, he's a short-haired Ronaldinho at this point. He is very young. And it's this strange combination of it's almost like a flat top. So he looks very formal and very rigid. But then it's still Ronaldinho. So there's still the kind of like 
he's having to fight almost to like not be dancing and sombing and moving the shoulders. But then when he scores, that celebration is still there, and it's very recognizably him as soon as he scored. If you watch it again, you can see sort of with the body movement, but you wouldn't recognize him until that celebration at the end. And just the way he kind of debuts for Brazil, like a Brazil team, like Brazil we know, it's, it's Jogo Bonito, it's, it's all of the different players that we've talked about for, for decades. So to have that strong of a debut really in a team like Brazil, I think elevates you to that next level. And he also is one who has good debuts. He scores on his debut for Barcelona on a cracker there as well. A Bobby Dazzler, if you will, if you're Ryan. <laughs> so those two performances, I think both solid debuts, but like scoring by lifting it over a defender and then volleying it past the goalkeeper on your de- de- debut for Brazil in a Copa America that they went on to win. It ticks a lot of boxes for me in terms of being a very good debut. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, um, it's interesting, the metric we've used for good debuts is goals, basically. Whereas yeah, maybe true. for a player, player of Ronaldinho's talent and what he brings to a team, maybe it's not the most relevant thing. No, cause, cause, like, but I think it's, it's like the thing that stands out the most, obviously. Like, I guess if yeah. a goalkeeper stands on their head and, and puts in 15 saves on their debut, <laughs> maybe you'd remember that. But like Maldini, who famously, I think they said, like, only had to tackle every other game. Like, it's just probably like, oh, yeah, he was quietly very, very good. That tends to be how defenders stand out, I feel like. And even if we're yeah. talking about a standout debut performance from a defender, it's usually lockdown defense in a 1-0 game, and they scored the header off of a corner. Like, it's still a goal is involved. Uh, but I'm sure there are probably some out there that people could point us to that are good debuts that don't involve goals, and I would love to hear about them. Well, Taylor, you've actually, I'm a bit embarrassed for you because you've missed one of Ronaldinho's, the best debut he had in his career. Please. Um, it was the Paraguayan prison team. He scored four <laughs> goals. And for his uh, celebration for the fourth, he went and got some crayons and drew himself a new passport. I thought he wasn't allowed to score goals. Wasn't that the rule? <laughs> Is that I, the I, I genuinely think that that's the only reason why I, I correct you on that. Is because I believe the rule was that if he wanted to play, he wasn't allowed to score. He had to pass. Because they were like, well, there's no way we can stop you from scoring. So you just have to pass the ball the whole time. And I think he, he, he held up his end of the bargain. But I hope he did celebrate by having somebody draw him a crayon passport. Oh, yeah. There's, def- there's definitely honor in uh, Paraguayan uh, prison <laughs> soccer. I'm sure he, he adhered to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's uh, move away from Ronaldinho, but let's stay with the Brazilian. Can we talk Romario for a moment or let's several? Talk, let's talk Romario for a moment or several. I'd mm-hmm. love to, yes. Uh, uh, his debut at Barcelona was in the 93-94 season opener against Real Sociedad. He done gone scored a hat-trick, didn't he? <laughs> That's what he did in 1993. Um, and he scored another four hat-tricks that season, by the way. He and he got 30 goals. a hat-trick? <laughs> What? I just love he done gone scored a hat trick. It's still making me laugh. I'm glad my uh, my poor phrasing uh, amuses you. Taylor. It sure did. It sure but did, yeah, my friend. He he won the Pachichi, the top scorer award in uh, in Spain that season for his debut. So he, not only did he have an incredible debut game, he had an uh, incredible debut season. Then that summer, he goes off to uh, the United States and wins himself the World Cup with Brazil. So that's a pretty good uh, little run of events there for Romario, I would argue. And then six months after that. Johan Cruyff kicks him out. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that is how Cruyff tried to end that one, right? It was just like, and you're done. The end. Please don't protest. Please don't be mad. Thanks. Bye. Don't make this public. That I, I watched the like the seven minute highlights of Romario's debut. Did you see that one? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. It's, and uh, and I was struck by two things. One, he's involved a lot, and you get you definitely see the 
Cruyff. Uh, everybody just give the ball to Romario and let's make things happen. But the person who I kind of forgot was most responsible, it seemed, at least in that debut, for getting the ball to uh, Romario and, and helping make things happen is Pep Guardiola. And mm. it's fun to watch Pep Guardiola again these days, like knowing how he wants his teams to play and just seeing moments of like, oh, that's why he loved Iniesta. I see. I see. It's that yeah. same. I've seen that pass before and it came from Andres Iniesta. Or it came from Xavi. Uh, so it was fun to see the highlights for Romario just being comprehensively ridiculous, but then also Pep Guardiola being very quietly but sternly good, also very enjoyable, that, uh, that YouTube clip. Yeah, definitely. And, hey, and Stoichkov being up with him as well. Also Fun that. times. Fun <laughs> times. Those two up front. Can you imagine? Oh. I mean, it's a decent one. It's a dream team. It's a dream team. Uh, Ryan, I don't think I have any other ones. Have you got any more debuts you wanted to talk about? I got one more for you, and it's a very, very, very good one. Maybe one that people aren't incredibly familiar with. It's from Inter Milan on the first day of the 97-98 season, the 31st of August, that was. It's a game against Brescia. Alvaro Recoba. Mm -hmm. And he comes on. Is he a late substitute in this one? Uh, he yes, so okay. he, uh, into a one nil down in this game against Brescia, uh, and this this game is notable because it was the first game uh, that a young man named Ronaldo was playing in Ooh. the league. He oh, made a interesting. Interesting. he made a twenty seven million dollar uh, move to Inter Milan to the San Siro. He was the one who was expected to light up the stage, but instead, little Uruguayan Alvaro Recoba comes on as a substitute off the bench in the last ten minutes. And he scores twice. The first one was a 30-yard Bobby Dazzler of uh, Sergio Aguero proportions. It's a superb goal. You have, if you haven't looked on YouTube, have it, check it out. And he follows it up. He's taking free kicks at this point. Ronaldo's nowhere near the ball. He's taking free kicks. He scores mm-hmm. a free kick to get the winner. So he, <laughs> he, he, score, he, he scores the, the, the two winning goals in a game in which Inter were down. He takes the spotlight away from Ronaldo on his debut. And I'd say that's pretty good going for Mr. Rakova. And they are, they are like hilariously perfect goals. Like it, mm. it looks like those video games where you used to be able to like, if you hit it exactly right, it would always just go top corner perfectly and there was nothing to be done about it. Like I remember a video game where you could hit the ball and it would do like a loop-de-loop and be impossible to save. <laughs> it's almost like that both of these strikes. They are just so perfect, so laser hit. It, it, yeah. it sort of is like Angels in the Outfield style, like some like otherworldly thing was like, you know what, he's scoring this goal. We've got to make this happen. Uh, and, and they do, and he scores two lovely goals. But man, they are pretty to watch. Yeah, this is this is a really really good. I love this. There's one thing better than a good debut. It's a good substitute debut coming mm-hmm. on late, as we've seen a few with a few other players in this list. And Rakoba, by the way, uh, only just retired in 2015. He was 40 when he retired. Still banging him in. Amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, I want to be. I want to be that. That fleet of foot at that age. I, I did I think right. that watching some of these people like Zlatan and just being like, man, that dude, uh, that dude probably works out a little bit more than I do. So maybe I don't want to have that level of intensity in my life. <laughs> I much prefer to be able to tell you about deleted scenes from the Fresh Prince introduction. That feels more my wheelhouse than working out I've every got, day for three hours. I think we, we may have concluded, uh, exhausted our list here, but I've got one more thing I want to put to you Please. before we head off into the sunset. From the games, the forthcoming Bundesliga games this weekend, I want an over-under on the amount of times we'll see a player bent over with their hands on their knees looking like they're out of breath. Because of, I, I'm saying this not because they have the, the COVID-19, but because they will be out of shape, baby. Yeah. You'll get Honestly, at least, you get like one of those a game from the like, oh, he should have scored there and they're bent over like with yep. fatigue but frustration. I think you're going to get 
Are we talking about per game? Are we talking about in one game? Are we talking about over the course of the weekend? I'll say how many times the camera catches it. I will also accept Pep Guardiola-style uh, sort of leaning down on your haunches, sort of looking exhausted as well. I'm going to say at least five times this weekend. Are all That's the games what... being broadcast in the U.S.? You, you say more? Oh, so if I said the over-under at five and a half, are you taking the over? Is it five and under, or is it uh, six or more? I was going to pitch a six, so I'll take the over. All right, Ryan's taking the over. I will take the under. <laughs> uh, again, I look forward to people telling us about debuts that uh, were good, even if goals weren't scored. I would love to hear about uh, U.S. women's national team debuts. I did some research right. there. It sounds like Carly Lloyd had a very, very strong first game for the U.S. Uh, way back in 2006, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2005, excuse me. But uh, no goals there. So I wasn't going to go back and rewatch the whole game, but I would love to hear about that. And then I would love for people to track the number of times a player is depicted uh, with hands on knees, bent over, trying to catch their breath this weekend in the Bundesliga. Ryan says six or more. I say five or fewer. Let's make the bingo card, Tay-Tay. Let's make that bingo card until we make that bingo card until this weekend and next week. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for talking about best debuts. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. It was fun to watch just like quick three to four minute videos and routinely say like, oh, right, he was good. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's fun to encapsulate things by watching condensed highlight videos of debuts. And then listing them. Uh, Ryan Bailey, (laughs) thank you very much for listening to me sing, for listening to my various pop culture references, and for talking best club and international debuts ever. Taylor, it's always a pleasure. Never a chore. That's what I like to hear. 